Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined with each episode by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, and as well the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 102.9 FM in Tuscaloosa, weekday mornings 11 to noon. And Travis, uh, uh, we dive in with this Avery Johnson news. By the way, the Talking Tide podcast available at uh, our web host at podbean.com. Also, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're going to do a quick podcast, a little shorter than usual this time, just to kind of recap and, and look ahead a little bit with this hire that Greg Byrne has on his hands. Travis Avery Johnson moving on following a, an embarrassing first-round home loss to Norfolk State in the NIT. Last we potted, uh, we talked about this, I guess, as a possibility. Uh, I pained me a little bit to see Avery Johnson go because I was an Avery Johnson fan, and I would have liked to have seen it turn out better. But you can't complain about the move that, that Greg Byrne makes here uh, four seasons into the Avery Johnson era. Uh, only one season above 500 in SEC play, only one NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, the man felt a change had to be made clearly, and he made it. Yeah, and it's interesting because Avery Johnson leaves Alabama having won more NCAA tournament games, Chase, than he did NIT games. <laughs> uh, so that would seem to be a good stat, but not so much when no. you really dig uh, beneath the surface a little bit. And I think it was a situation where – for both parties ultimately it was deemed uh a no-go moving forward especially after that loss to norfolk state in the opening round of the nit was that loan that loss in and of itself enough to fire avery johnson we can argue whether it was or it wasn't uh but we do know there had already been conversations in regards to next year between greg byrne and avery johnson uh before that nit first round loss so I would say it certainly greased the skids, at least, um, once Norfolk State came in here uh, and took down Alabama uh, to get NIT play going. So uh, you get the feeling when there's a mutual separation, that it's it's exactly that. You've got Alabama and Greg Byrne meeting with Avery Johnson immediately after that first-round NIT loss and saying, Avery, here's our vision for your program moving forward. Uh, and and put in a way in which Avery can either accept those recommendations and put them into play, or Avery can say, no, that's not what I envisioned. And so we're going to have to work on uh, separating here. And that's that's how you get to the point that I think Alabama got to uh, with the two parties. And you're right, Avery Johnson, a great guy, accessible, um, transparent, I think, in just about every way. So you hate to see him go from that standpoint. Uh, but but when you factor in to chase some of the bigger picture items that are on the table, right? That six hundred million dollar Crimson Standard initiative that Greg Byrne introduced last summer. Uh, if you're UA, you got to take that into account too. You got to look at you know even as soon as next season, can we put people in seats at Coleman Coliseum and also raise money to better that facility uh, down the road? As we know, Alabama has plans to do so. There were a lot of things in play, and again, I think those those things became very much in play following that loss to, to Norfolk State. Yeah, you alluded in the last podcast that the buyout on Avery Johnson was $8 million, but that it dropped to $6 million at some point in the month mm-hmm. of April, considering it was 
this was a negotiated buyout. One can only assume that the number, and I don't think it's been reported anywhere that I've seen exactly what the buyout number was. One can assume it was something less than $8 million, uh, but I would imagine it was the majority of that chunk uh, for Alabama to move on here. Yeah, I, I think Avery did just fine on that. Now, yeah, it was set to drop to $6 million, uh, April 16th, I believe, was the date. And as we talked about, too, the problem with all of this, if you were going to make a move, was that you also had the late signing period coming up. And Alabama intensely involved with one of the very best uncommitted, unsigned prospects out there in Trendon Wadford of nearby Mountain Brook High School, just over in the Birmingham area. So, um, again, multiple dynamics coming into play here as far as what are you going to do moving forward, both from the UA perspective and in response, Avery Johnson and accepting or not accepting um, some of those mandates, perhaps from his boss and Greg Burns. So, uh, yeah, the, the money was in play, and I'm with you. It, it wasn't $8 million. You don't negotiate, so you can just give the guy what you owed him anyway. Uh, but you also, if you're UA, you couldn't wait a month for that discount to sort of come into play and then, you know, maybe give him $6 million to move along. I, I'm going to guess – uh, Avery did somewhere in the neighborhood of at least what he would have gotten in a month's time, probably a little better than that. Speaking of recruiting, in this day and age in college basketball, you lose a coach. It's not just the recruits from high school coming in that you're trying to protect or keep an eye on or, or stay in good standing with. It's also the players on the roster uh, because it's such a transfer-happy sport these days. We already have seen Dazon Ingram is going to be moving on. Of course, he's already got a degree from the uh, from Alabama. Good for him on that. I guess he's got one more year of playing eligibility. Uh, but beyond that, if you're Greg Byrne, if you're John Pelfrey, the interim coach, whoever's involved uh, for the time being – Top recruits got to be Kira Lewis Jr. above anyone in high school, right? You got to keep him in place. Yeah, you would think you know, he's your building block number one. And, you know, with Dazon Ingram, that's a situation that was probably going to go that way regardless uh, of the coaching situation. He had participated in senior night uh, as a redshirt junior. So, you know, uh, I know Avery after that game said, look, we, we want to do that for all of our graduating players regardless of their eligibility status, but you kind of got the sense it could easily go the way that it did um, with days on regardless. But yeah, Lewis is obviously the guy that you're building with moving forward. Um, you still have some key pieces from that sophomore class that we've talked about so often, the, the development of John Petty and the development of Herbert Jones and Alex Reese and Galen Smith, which if you factor that into the overall evaluation of Avery and this staff for the 2018-2019 season, you might come to the uh, conclusion that that was short uh, in watching those guys in year two. So there's still some very important pieces that you expect to be around with this new regime coming in, uh, but there's always going to be you know some fallout, some attrition uh, once you start having some coaching changes. And really – when you don't because you know i talked to someone in the coaching business here not too long ago and i asked the question i said what do you anticipate in terms of non-senior non-exhausted eligibility turnover on an annual basis and the number has really gotten to be right at two i'm talking about two players that aren't out of eligibility i'm talking about transfers leaving your program so it's commonplace in college basketball these days regardless of the coaching situation 
Yeah, no doubt about it. If you're if you're the incoming coach at Alabama, whoever it may be, setting aside Kira Lewis, who certainly is a guy that 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 is a building block and then some, somebody that that any coach uh, would want to keep in place. But if you have an exodus of two or three or four guys on this roster who say I'm out of here. Do you look at it as a huge blow, or do you look at it as, well, that's all the quicker I'm going to be able to get my own people in here? I think I think for some incoming coaches, and having had a kid just go through this process, Chase, on the women's side, I, 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 think, I think coaches that are new to a program would almost rather it just be blown up right. altogether from a roster standpoint. Because I, I've encountered coaches that were stuck – in other words, you can no longer essentially just run off kids. There's literally NCAA legislation now, rules that prohibit you from just cutting kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you, you unless it's something that, that voids, you know, the sort of contractual agreement uh, in a scholarship between the student athlete and the school, uh, you can't just cut kids. So for those kids that hang around that you really don't want to keep or don't fit what you want to do, you, you can be stuck with a, a roster of 10, 11 players for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can really set back sort of the rebuild. And at the same time, if you're making 3 million plus at a place like Alabama, the AD and the fan base more specifically, they don't want to hear all that, you know? No. Um, you know, it's it's like our our, our man uh, uh, coached at SMU. Don't don't tell me about the labor pain. Show me the baby. <laughs> Show you know? me the baby. That's right. <laughs> that's that's all the fans and the AD want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> so, the task for Greg Byrne now. Uh, he he had a, a news conference, I believe, just today. Said the priorities are going to be player development, college background, which that says not another Avery Johnson coming in from the NBA academics, NCAA compliance. Uh, he mentioned recruiting, but not as one of those key priorities. Obviously, recruiting is huge. Um, but w- what do you see landscape-wise uh, for what's available and, and what this job at this juncture can pull uh, among the best basketball coaches around? Well, what we know from a salary standpoint, Chase, is that it's going to uh, offer a salary that is top 20 caliber. Uh, that's what Avery was getting. So if you're going to essentially make the move on Avery um, when you were paying him $3 million after four years and he, he's a year out of making an NCAA tournament, that tells me you're not afraid to go to the checkbook for the next guy. And so you know, I think Greg Byrne, I've been talking with some people, I think the expectation is going in, he was going to swing for the fences. I think he's probably already taken a cut or two. Uh, at the, the, the at some of the very biggest names that you could imagine uh, for this p- position, I think there's also very much a sensible, more sensible tier of candidates. Whether that's mid majors, whether that's guys that are available right now, um, Thad Mata, the former Ohio State coach, certainly fits that bill. To me, he would be sort of a Ben Howland type hire if it went down, Chase. Uh, in terms of resume, a couple of guys who have been to multiple Final Fours, a couple of guys in Mata and Hallen who have won multiple Power Five conference championships. Uh, Hallen sat out. Mata has sat out for health-related reasons, apparently. So if he's back and good to go at 51 years old, 
you know, a guy like Thad Mata in terms of, again, availability certainly makes sense. Now, Avery was available too, so sometimes that's not always the best ability. Um, so I kind of I look at those guys, and Andy Kennedy, formerly of Ole Miss, now part of the SEC network. Uh, Fred Hoiberg uh, did a good job at Iowa State, also his uh, NBA experience, uh, obviously with the Chicago Bulls. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways. I mean, you've heard the Billy Donovans thrown out there, the Rick Patinos. Uh, hell, we even had apparently Rick Patino hallucinations in Tuscaloosa over the weekend. Um, so it, it'll probably be wild at first, but I do think this. I do, again, think Greg Burns going to take some big cuts here. Now, whether or not he ends up with the Grand Slam or whether or not he ends up with a sliding double, it remains to be seen. But I don't think this process is going to drag out exceptionally long either, not based on sort of the approach that I'm told he has taken in terms of getting out there uh, as early as Monday to, to really go and find his coach. Well, if you don't want to wait until April 16th to cut the buyout by $2 million, right. then that tells you you don't want to wait to make the hire very long either, right? Well, and, and not a bad time right now if you can make the hire that you want. You don't want to rush it to the point where you're making a hire just to make a hire. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the attention to the hire, right, won't be any greater than it is right now as we get ready for the Sweet 16 and move into the, the second full weekend of the tournament and, and looking ahead to the, the Final Four. College basketball is white hot this time of year. So from an exposure standpoint, especially if you make that sort of brand hire, um, it, it can it can help you in, in multiple ways, including recruiting. Some really interesting names on the BamaOnline.com hot board, which I know you contributed to, Travis. A couple of names you've already touched on, Thad Mata, Fred Hoiberg, uh, John Brandon, the former Alabama assistant now at Northern Kentucky on that board. Uh, and your neighbor. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, used to we had, used to, we had neighborhood experience with John Brandon for crying out loud. How about the job he's done up at Northern Kentucky? Nice work. Huh? Nice work. Yeah. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Uh, and Left the house in good shape too. <laughs> John Brandon, a guy we know a little bit, uh, formerly uh, formerly of the neighborhood here off of Lake Tuscaloosa, Steve East Tuscaloosa, yeah. Steve Prom's name on there as well, a guy whose name was bandied about four years ago when he was moving on from uh, Murray State, uh, and Avery, Avery Johnson ended up getting the job. Steve Prom got the Iowa State job, did extremely well there. He won 23 or more games in three of his four seasons there. Uh, he was just bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament by Ohio State. Uh, but Prom, a guy who uh, used to be a former – uh, former Alabama student assistant, a lot of success overall at Iowa State. Yeah, and Prome, after that first-round loss a couple days ago, you probably saw it, Chase, he gave the, the long-winded, I'm happy with my job, I'm totally content here. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it rang of Nick Saban in <laughs> December 2006, didn't it? Well, I guess I'm going to have to say it. <laughs> Uh, especially with his AD standing right there in the same room with him a couple of days ago. But it, it may turn out that Prome is perfectly happy in Ames. He, he certainly has a very good job. I don't know if people understand that that Iowa State job is actually a nice, nice gig. Um, they're going to take care of you financially there. Uh, you know, he's in a good spot. We'll see how it goes with Steve Prome. But, but certainly the ties are there uh, from that standpoint. Can they spend with Alabama if they want to keep him? Do you think? 
That's a great question because we don't really know. Like I said, if you're going to fire Avery and you were paying him $3 million a year, you're going to mutually agree to, to part ways, as we know it's it's called in this situation. Um, if you're going to pay Avery Johnson $3 million for one tournament in four years, it sends a couple of signals. Well, first of all, if you're a coach, you like to hear it because, well, they're paying $3 million plus. The negative is, is that well, if I only make one tournament in four years, I may only may only be making that three million plus for four years. Right. In other words, you know, I think it's a good sign to the fans that the commitment is there in terms of yes, the administration notices, and yes, the administration is committed to being a real player once again uh, in men's basketball, and it should be. I mean, you watch teams right now moving on to the Sweet 16, Chase. There's no reason Alabama can't be Texas Tech. There's no reason Alabama can't get back to being a program like Purdue, right? Not everyone out there is Duke and Kentucky and UNC. And there's still a lot of programs that on a consistent basis are relevant to the NCAA tournament. Um, So there's a lot of benefits, a lot of uh, positives to the job, I would think, to candidates out there. But you know, there, there are a lot of good jobs, too, that are out there. And I think Iowa State is, is one of those really good jobs. So in some ways, it'll be easy. Uh, but then in some ways, I don't think it'll be as easy as some people think. I get a kick out of the people who say, well, just go get Brad Stevens <laughs> yeah, right. from the Boston Celtics. Like you, you can know? snap I mean, your fingers and do that. Yeah, just go to OKC and get Billy Donovan. Right. You know, And it's kind of the football mindset because, well, you went and got Nick Saban from the Miami Dolphins. What's the problem? <laughs> no. Doesn't work that way, fella, or gal. So, you know, there's kind of that between ground. What do you think, Chase, in terms of what's realistic uh, for this program and in this latest search? You know, I, I think the point you make about the salary brings clout with it. If, if Alabama's going to pay three and a half to four million a year, that's a top 20 salary. I think Avery Johnson was uh, the 19th highest paid coach in college basketball at the time he was let go. Uh, so that's good. That's going to bring a lot of clout. The downside of it is Alabama, the job itself, isn't particularly attractive. There's not a lot of tradition. The tradition that Alabama basketball has is getting a little bit buried in the past a little bit too far, frankly. And, uh, you know, and then you got the issue with Coleman Coliseum, which I know the university has uh, spent some money renovating, but it's not considered an elite basketball facility There's by plans, any stretch though. of the imagination. Yeah. It's all in, yeah, it's all a blueprint. So, you know, there's that factor. By the way, I just pulled up, uh, I just Googled Steve Prom salary, Iowa State, and uh, I'm coming up with an annual figure for him in Ames at $2 million a year. And so if there is any sort of, if that's the direction Byrne wants to go and there's any sort of a bidding war at all, uh, the cycl- Cyclones are going to have to. Iowa State. Yeah. That's a, isn't that a tough spot, Chase, for Iowa State? You just lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You're going to take this guy to three mil? <laughs> right. I mean, you're going to, uh, really, you're going to you going to do that with him? Um, I know they love him, but are they in love with him? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, it's it's that that age old question, and so uh, if nothing else, Alabama's going to help Prom get closer to three million. I don't. I, it's hard for me to imagine Iowa State taking him all the way there after a first round exit in the tournament. But you know that's kind of where we're at in uh, Power Five athletics these days. 
Before we get out of here, one name I wanted to throw out there, Travis, is Antoine Petway, uh, a guy who has remarkably survived three coaching staffs now at the same school. You really, uh, the way coaching staffs get turned over and kicked around, not only in college basketball, football as well, really in any sport, to have an assistant coach uh, survive multiple coaching changes is is, uh, uh, really pretty remarkable. Um, your thoughts on, on, on Antoine Petway, does he have a chance to survive yet another change at UA, or does he move on? I think his chances were better with Avery than they're going to be with the next guy because I expect the next guy to be a proven college head coach, whereas Avery came in here with literally no experience. Yeah, That benefited Avery, right? I mean, that, be- that benefited Pet. And, and to his credit, I mean, Pat's a beloved figure. There's no doubt about it when it comes to the, you know, the, 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 the history of Alabama basketball. So everyone wants to see Antoine Petway remain a part of Alabama basketball. How realistic is it with a, another head coach coming through here? Again, um, I, I don't like his chances as much this time. In fact, I mean, the name you're hearing locally is being a part of this next Alabama staff, maybe even more than Pet staying around, is Bucky McMillan, the high school coach, who uh, just happens to be the head coach chase of Trendon Wadford over there at Mountain Brook High School. Um, that's that's a guy you hear more about in relation to this next Alabama staff right now. Who knows if it'll play out that way? Then you do even maybe Pet. Look, I love Pet. I, I hope I hope he continues to be a part of things at Alabama. Um, but I also know if you're really swinging for defenses, right, you're giving autonomy to this guy to come in and do what he feels like he needs to do from a staff standpoint. Whereas with Avery, he kind of needed the help he could get, whether it was, uh, you know, remaining staff, leftover staff, however you want to name it. Uh, Avery was more in need of that than I got to think this next guy will be. Yeah, Pet was kind of the perfect guy to help Avery Johnson hit the ground running, wasn't he? He was. I mean, knew the lay of the land, knew the program, knew the league, knew the high school coaches. And he was everything that Avery Johnson needed, no doubt about it. And and, and may have some value that way uh, to the next guy if for some reason. And you heard Greg Byrne talk about it on Monday. He's not going to restrict himself to sort of a regional candidate. You know, if he feels like the very best coach, big picture-wise, for this team uh, is someone – uh, on the West Coast or, you know, up in the Midwest or wherever it may be, you know, that's the direction he's going to go. And, and that could ultimately give Pet or keep that value that Pet uh, had for, for Avery. little leverage maybe for him. Who knows? Yeah. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. want to thank some sponsors before we get out of here, though, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley for all your dental needs Go to North River Dental. Uh, it's at NorthRiverDentist.com on the web for an appointment, 752-3506, the number to call. I just had my teeth cleaned there just last week. I've got some distressing news to report about the terrarium there. Apparently a stray cat got loose in there and uh, uh, might have cleared out all the chipmunks that uh, that used to make that uh, fantastic terrarium their home. So might have to be rebuilt a little bit, Travis. But uh, you can at your next appointment, I want a full report, okay? Yeah, the food chain at work over there. 
at North River Dental. Um, look, I, I need to get my teeth cleaned, or, or what's inside my mouth is going to resemble that terrarium. So I, I need to get over there and get that done, too. Uh, always great stuff at uh, North River Dental, no doubt about it. I'm going to tell you about Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa out there at 3200 Skyland Boulevard East. That's where you're going to find the very best selection of automobiles, both new and certified pre-owned. Go to MercedesOfTuscaloosa.com right now. And that way you can check out the entire inventory that sits on the lot today. Then make your way to 3200 Skyland Boulevard East for the very best in selection, sales, and service after the sale. It is Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa. And then our great friends there also at Carty and Lloyd Attorneys at Law, downtown Tuscaloosa. Local attorneys in Mike Carty and John Lloyd at your fingertips. 205-759-1554. That's the number to call. It's going to put you in touch with Carty and Lloyd, attorneys at law since 1992, serving Alabamians and others from across the United States. 759-1554. Also check out the website, www.cartelloydlaw.com. That's Carty and Lloyd, attorneys at law. All right, that's a wrap for the Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Next time we podcast, I'm sure we'll have a, a spring football update as well. Who knows, we might be talking about a new basketball hire by the time uh, we pod once again. Uh, but stay with us. We'll be back again, as usual, in a week or so to talk more Alabama athletics right here on the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer, I'm Chase Goodbread. We'll talk to you next time.